Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Sorry, media team. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to walk around. Hmm. Hmm. I won't, if you're visiting, I won't do that to you today. Trust me, I won't. I won't. I won't. All right. All right. I think, I think. Sorry, Stevie. I'm coming to you, Stevie. Sorry. All right. Stevie, who is Jesus? One word or something quick. Savior. Who is Jesus? King. Ooh. Come on. Come on. Who is Jesus? Son of God. All right. That's okay. That's okay. He could do that. He could do that. Uh, who is Jesus? The Christ. Amen. D, because you're looking away from me, because you're purposely looking away from me, who is Jesus? He's your everything? All right. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. Who was that? Oh, Debbie. <laughs> Debbie, you've been. Who's Jesus? The Son of God. We, we got that one already. That's okay. Give me powerful. powerful, powerful. All right. All right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and 17, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, you say, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or some of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. So right now, what's happening is, oh, man, I forgot some important announcements. That's okay. We're going to keep going. Just make sure you're following us throughout the week. Jesus and the disciples are about 120 miles away from Jerusalem, right? They're about 120 miles away. They're in uh, northern, what would be northern Palestine area. This is where they're at at the moment. Um, and, and we're closing in at the time when... Um, He's going to go into the holy city. You know, they're going, to, they're going to welcome him with this and that. And then before you know it, they're going to arrest him and they're going to uh, crucify him. So, so time is, is coming to, to an end here. And there's two things that he wants his followers, he, two things he wants to be clear about. There's two things he wants to be clear about. Number one, he wants people to know who he is. Like, he's, like he wants, he's going to want you to know who he is. Second... It's important to know what he's doing. It's important to know what he's doing. It's important to understand the person of Christ and the work of Christ. The disciples have been with Jesus for about three years now. Three years. 
They've walked with him. They've talked with him. They've hung out with him. They've eaten. They've slept. Um, they've had good times. They've had some maybe stressful times. I mean, they've lived life for three years together. Three years together. And uh, it's, it's time for the final exam. It's time to see what they've learned. It's time to see who, you know, what's on their, who, you know, what's on their, their heart or their mind. And he asked first, who does the crowd say I am? And as you see, the crowd, their answers, you know, they, they, they answer. Um, their answer, though, when it comes to who do you say I am, their answer will determine where they spend eternity. Where, who, who do you feel I am? If they would have been like, oh, just a prophet, just a teacher, then, you know, that changes things. But they, he understood, no, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. We, too, need to understand that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. Right? We can't afford to get that one question wrong. You know, you ever take a test, a test that the teacher will pop up on you? It's like, oh, pop quiz or pop test. You're like, ah, oh, don't worry. It's only one question. No, you don't want that kind of test. You don't want that kind of test. The one question test, I used to hate a one question test. No, don't give me that. Give me a hundred question test, please. Give me 50 questions. Give me 70 questions. Don't, not one, not one. Because if you get it wrong, that's it. There's, that's it. There's no point. And the same thing goes for this question. Who do you say I am? If you get this question wrong, <laughs> that's it. You need to get this question right, family. And I know many of you are saying, ah, oh, but we, you know, we know who Jesus is. And, and I've gotten this question right. But you know what? Today's a special day. We have baby dedications. We have baptisms. And there's family and friends that are here today. And you know what? We are sharing and reminding us all who Jesus Christ is. So um, at this moment, as he's talking to them, I mentioned that they're in um, uh, Caesarea uh, Philippi. And the reason why I believe, this is, this is what I feel, one of the reasons why it's even mentioned in that verse, because everything's mentioned for a reason, right, is that that part of the world, that country at that moment is, is a center for uh, uh, the pagan religion. And so if you look at history, that, they were in an area that although they were preaching the God, although they were going and, and, and spreading the word of God, that region was known for pagan religion. And so I say that because the, uh, the disciples had to answer this question without being influenced of their surroundings. In the same manner, we have to uh, answer the question and be firm on the answer of that question, no matter our surroundings. Who is Jesus Christ? It was easy for us to say it here. I went around and you're like, son of God, king, you know, uh, uh, savior. These are, these are good. These are good. But I'm going to tell you something. It's easier to shout it out in here than it is to shout it out out there. 
And so what happens is this, they're, in a, they're surrounded, they're surrounded by, by pagan worship, pagan practice, pagan culture. And he says, okay, who are the people saying I am? Oh, well, they said that you're this and this. Well, who are you saying I am? No, you're the Messiah. I don't care who's around. I don't care where we're at. I don't care what's going on in my life. You are the Messiah. We need, we need, to, we need to adapt this, this, this attitude of I know who Christ is. I know who Jesus is. And I don't care what's around. I'm not, I'm not going to be influenced by the majority because they were in a place where the majority was all pagan. I'm not going to be influenced by the majority. I'm making my decision because I know this is true. So who is Christ Jesus to you? This question's been asked for centuries, for centuries. You can go on YouTube and there's guys that do evangelism and they'll do the same thing I just did. They'll go up and they'll ask people questions on the boardwalk and things like that about who Jesus is. This question's been repeated for centuries, time and time over again. And the thing is that there's no, there's no like neutrality in this. Like you, eventually you, you can't avoid this question. You can avoid it in an interview right? You can avoid anyone, but eventually in your own life, you got to decide who is he going to be in your life? Because Jesus is going to be somebody. He's got to be somebody in your life. The opinion of the crowd, they said John the Baptist. John the Baptist, you know, they, uh, why John? Well, he was preaching about repentance, you know? you know, but let me tell you something. Jesus <laughs> was far greater, far greater than uh, pre- the preaching of John, of John. Jesus spoke with an authority that was, that, that was uh, I don't know, it was power, a powerful authority. He not only spoke the word of God, Jesus, oh man, you guys, you guys study, you guys do Bible study, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. He is, he's the word of God made into flesh, man. John the Baptist, he pointed to the Lamb of God. That's what John the Baptist did. There is one that is coming. John pointed to the Lamb of God, and Jesus is the Lamb of God. Okay, not John the Baptist. Elijah. Well, I mean, Elijah prayed, and Jesus prays. And Elijah's prayers were powerful. Stopped the, he stopped the, 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 the sun and, 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 and there was rain and stuff like that. I mean, his prayers were, were heard and, and it made a difference. And Jesus' prayers, you know, I mean, it, you know, his prayers uh, brought a man to, to life and it healed the sick. And no, so, so yeah, you know what? Elijah. No. The disciples, listen, Jesus did have a powerful prayer, right? But the disciples... You know, notice that they never asked Jesus, teach me how to teach. The disciples never said, um, <laughs> the, the disciples never said, teach me how to do a miracle. They never said like, yo, um, I, I, I want to preach better. I, th- this is a whole nother sermon in itself, right? Like they didn't say, teach me how to preach or to teach or to do the works that you're doing. They said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. That's what the disciples asked Jesus. They were blown away by his ability to talk to the Father. 
And they were happy to learn that so they could do it just the same. Jeremiah? Why? Because of the compassion that Jeremiah had and the compassion that Jesus had? Maybe, maybe you could see why some people might say, oh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He cried. He cried because his heart was broken. They were not hearing the word of God. They were not listening. And he was trying everything. And he was frustrated. And, and he had compassion for them. But at the same time, he didn't know what else to do. And he was moved to tears. And Jesus cried too. He had compassion. Matter of fact, everybody knows the, that one verse at least. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, right? He cried. He cried when Lazarus died and, and he was there. So, you know, maybe he is like Jeremiah. He has compassion. Because when he looked at the crowd, he saw a, a, a flock of sheep with no shepherd. He has compassion. Um, but it can't be compared because... Jeremiah didn't die on a cross. The compassion didn't take him to, at his ending on a cross to die for our sins. All these opinions are wrong, right? You, you, and the thing is this. The thing is, the reality is you cannot compare Jesus to another man. You can't do it. You can't do it. You just can't do it. He's unique, supreme. He's the name above all names. He's the God-man. He's the king of kings, Lord of lords. We'll never find the right answer if you're taking a public opinion. Like if you're taking a public opinion poll, you'll never find the, the right answer when it comes to Jesus. The crowd, the big crowd, the masses are always going to be wrong. They're going to be wrong. and Because, see, we use public opinion as the... Some people you would use public opinion as their main guidance within their spirituality. Let me let me give you guys an example. Let me give you guys an example. Um, um, let me see. Jen invites you to church because Jen invited like half this church to church. Once you know, got all people here. So Jen invites you to church, and she says, "Hey, come with me to church." And she hears two things, right? She hears things, you know, uh, uh, excuses and things like that. Sometimes they come, sometimes they give her excuses. But the things, that, the things that we hear tell us two things. Because number one, excuses, they all, originate, they all originate from the same source, which is Satan. If there's going to be an excuse or a reason that is going to keep you away from getting to know God, keeping you away from being in a relationship with him, then those reasons or excuses, whatever you want to label it, is not a godly thing. They're from the enemy. And you know what? When you begin to hear something that sounds like something else, that sounds like something else, that sounds the same. If I ask Miguel something, he tells me, oh, well, no, I can't go because, you know, um, uh, of this. And you say, oh, I can't go because of this. And you, and, but it's the same thing he said. And then you tell me the same thing he said. The reason why you can't go is because he said, before I know it, you're just saying it because you've heard other people say it. Right? If, if I hear something five times and it sounds the same, I'm going to know that those five people were in the same room. It happens all the time. Pastor, I think we should. Oh, it's interesting. 
I hear it, and then I hear it again, and I hear it again. I'm like, oh, oh, y'all was all talking about this already. Because it's the exact same thing. But listen, it's the same thing with our excuses. If, if, if we start saying the same, we were talking about it. We heard it from somebody else, right? Oh, the Bible is full of contradictions. I'm not going to church. Okay. Can, can you show me that? Because they, they won't know where it's at, but they heard someone say it. They heard someone say it, so they say it too. I can worship God anywhere, they say. But they don't. Let's, let's be honest. Well, I don't got to go to church to worship God. True. Where have you worshipped him? Ah, oh, well, you know. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I could in my house. Uh, yeah, you could. Did you? No. <laughs> don't judge me, pastor. I, I'm, not, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I'm not judging. It's the truth. It's the truth. So, so okay, so maybe we need to stop asking them to go to church and start asking them the question of the ages that they need to answer. Who is Christ to you? Because once they understand and get a hold of the true answer that he is Savior, that he is Lord, that he is the Son of God, that he is the King, like once you start, once you truly understand who Christ is, well, guess what? They'll be saved. They'll, they'll, they'll run to a church. Their lives will be changed forever. I get it. It's easy to say, just come. And you know what? Sometimes they're saved because they come, they hear the gospel, and so I'm not saying that's wrong. But for the people that are a little stubborn, <laughs> that you invite to church like 20 times over and over and over, and they give you all the reasons why they won't be here, you know what? Then take a different approach and just try to, try to see if one day they will understand who Jesus Christ truly is. And you know what? They'll come running through those doors once they realize the truth, once they realize the truth. This is a, this is a personal question. Jesus, then he narrows the question. He's like, so, uh, okay, they say that about me. What do you say? What do you say? Who do you think I am? He narrows the focus. And he, now he wants the opinions of his disciples. He wants their answer. Everyone has to answer this question. The crowd won't be able to answer for you. <laughs> you can't opt out. You know how these days you can opt out of stuff? You can't opt out of this. You're going to have to answer it. He's either going to be your savior or something that he isn't, and you're going to say that he is, but you have to, make an, you have to answer. And, and the four answers, I guess, um, the four answers that you really can give once you finally answer it is you can say something like, he's a legend. He's this legend. You know, he never really existed, but he, you know, the stories are really great. They're really inspirational because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the new age stuff is like, oh, this is so inspirational. But it has like, there's like no God, there's no God in it, right? So, so he's a legend, you know, um, he, you know uh, uh, a small, a small mar- a minority actually, actually feel this way. So it's not a lot of people feel this way, but some people do. Um, but intellectually, you can't hold this, this theory. Like, intellectually, you can't. Because there is so much historical proof that Christ existed. Historically. So, so even scientists and historians, they cannot say that Christ never existed. So therefore, the, 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 the answer of he's a legend, it was a story, 
can't be used. That can't be used. Uh, he was a liar. Ooh, what? Well, you know, he was a guy and, and, and he deceived these people into thinking that he was someone that he was not. He was a good teacher. He said some good things, but he was not God in the flesh. This position, uh, this position truthfully can't, shouldn't be your option. And I'm, these, are the, these are the things that people could say or have said, but, but this can't really be an option. When you look at the, when you look, especially, especially if you believe in God, but then you don't believe Jesus was the son of God, it's, it's hard to do both here with this, with this line here because <clears throat> he claimed to be God, right? And if he wasn't, then he was a liar. So he says, I, you know, he, he claimed that he was God. Um, and if he wasn't, then he's lying, <laughs> it's very hard for good people because you saw how good Christ was. We see the history of his doings, right? We see the journey of his life. And it's hard for good people like that to live out an entire lie. Let's be honest. It's hard, very hard. Am I saying it's impossible? It's just hard. It just wasn't just a little white lie if he was lying. <laughs> this would make Christ a pathological, um, habitual deceiver. And uh, people would be able to see right through people like that. You could see through someone like that. You might fool one or two, but people can see through like that. Speaking of lying, a little boy... Let's call him, let's call him Faby. <laughs> oh, no, no, no connection with Fabian at all. No connection with Fabian at all. Um, so Fabian, he goes, he goes to school, and every Monday, he would come to class with some crazy stories of the weekend. Some crazy, unrealistic stories of the weekend. The teacher would ask the class, what did you guys do this weekend? And he would raise his hand every Monday consistently, without a doubt. And one, uh, one, one, one week he says, I went fishing and I caught 36 fish this long. And he would go like this. And she'd be like, oh, okay, that's nice, baby. Have a seat. Next week. I went deer hunting, and I killed eight 10-point bucks. I guess 10 points mean big. I'm not a hunter, but 10-point buck is a big buck, a deer, buck, a male deer. And she knew he was lying. Next week, he said, I was playing baseball on Saturday, and I hit 16 home runs in one game. Wow. Oh, 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 wait, I even said it wrong. 16 home runs in an inning. That's what, she, that's what he, says, he said to the teacher. At 
this point, teachers like, oh my, I, I can't deal with this. You ever had someone in your life that you know is lying all the time? Like, why'd you have to lie about that though? Like, why? Like, save the lie for something important or something. I don't know. Like, why? Why are you gonna lie about that? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't change anything. So, 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 the, so she's like, I'm, I'm sick of this. Let's go. Take some to the principal's office. And she's like, listen to the principal, like, ah, this kid is always lying. Principal's like, oh, I know how to handle this. I'm gonna tell him such a big lie that he's gonna see how dumb it sounds when someone lies really ridiculously. Right? That was the principal's plan. So he sat down with the principal and he says, Fabi, I want to tell you about my weekend. I was walking through the woods when I saw a huge black bear. A huge black bear, and it started chasing me. And I started running and running, but it was gaining on me. But right before it got me, my chihuahua <laughs> came out of the woods, jumped on the bear, <laughs> tore it up and ate them whole. <laughs> Principal sat back and was like, now he'll see. Fabi answered, he goes, so did you believe that? And Fabi says, sure I do. He's my dog. And that was his third bear this week. <laughs> Some people just lie. Christ is not a liar, though. Some people may say, well, he's a lunatic. Maybe he wasn't right. Maybe he, just, he was, maybe he just didn't have it all together. Maybe he was just a crazy man. Uh, but if you read his words and see how the people marveled over these words, people even said, where does he get his wisdom? Right? The most brilliant minds to this day have studied the words of Christ for centuries to this day and have only really scratched the surface of the depth of his wisdom. And so if he's not a legend and he's not a liar and he's not a lunatic, then he can only be Lord. He's not a liar, he's not a legend, he's not a lunatic, but he is Lord. Peter got it right. He is the long-awaited, the predicted Messiah. When you study your Old Testament, right, you see in the Old Testament, uh, uh, they, they throw, they, they throwing clues at you that Christ is coming, that, that, that Jesus is coming throughout the entire Old Testament, there's descriptions about him in the Old Testament. When he's coming, where he's coming, how he would come, what he would be like, what the things that he'll be doing. You get a sneak peek of that all in the Old Testament. So how long can you wait to answer the question who he is in your life? I mean, if you know he's not a liar, you know he's not a legend, you know he's not a lunatic, and you know that he is Lord, how long is it going to take for you to accept that in your, into your heart, into your life? And I hope that you make that decision soon 
But one day, it will be too late. It will be too late one day. Philippians 2, 10 to 11 say that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who is Jesus Christ to you? We know that's not just a common question. It's a personal question. And Jesus says in verse 17, he talks about it's only the grace and the goodness and the guidance of God that any of us can ever come to the place of answering this question correctly. The answer comes by divine revelation, not by human speculation. Only the Father in heaven can make truth real in your heart. Do you know what the Word of God reveals? Divine revelation. When we dig into the Word of God, God reveals things to us. He shows us things. He speaks through his word. And through his word, he reveals in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. What does that mean? I mean, he's revealing that he is your bread. He is the bread of life. I mean, we will spiritually starve without him. You will starve. Nothing else can satisfy. Some of you guys have been trying a lot of other things and not be satisfied. You find yourself still hungry. You ever eat something and you're hungry? You eat something else and you're still hungry? You eat something else and you're still hungry? We're eating all the wrong things. (laughs) Oh, you have a tapeworm. (laughs) That's funny. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Without Christ, we are walking blind. Without Christ, we have no direction. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. Did you know that there's a door? You know how cartoons like that magical door appears? And then you can walk through it and you're in a whole other world? Christ is the door. He is the only door. We have to go through Christ to enter the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing else. He says, I am the true vine in John 15, 1. When we abide in Christ, right, when we abide in Christ, think of this, this scenario of the vine, right? Um, a, a, a plant or a tree, it has vines, and then there's fruit that is growing off the vines. When we abide in Christ, he gives us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. I was going to give you a pop quiz, but I'll just read it. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience. Gentleness, goodness, faithful, and self-control. These are things, good things that help us in life. Not only help us, but they, they, they separate us from the world. They separate us from those that don't have Christ. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He gave his life for you, for you. For me. When we say, who is Christ? Who is Christ to you? Um, he's my bread. He's my light. He's the door. He's, my, he's the true vine. He's the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five 25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and life. It's eternal life is found through Christ. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the answer, right? He's the way to get to the Father. He is the truth that gets you to the Father. And it's through him that you have eternal life. So there's no accident that you're here today. Some of you guys, well, I'm just here because of the baby dedication. Or sometimes, hey, I'm just here because I just happened to, to be driving by or someone brought me or someone case or someone invited me or um, someone's getting baptized and I'm watching them get baptized. There's all reasons why we can be, I finally said yes to someone and I'm here today. You are not here out of coincidence. God does not, we, the God that we serve is powerful. He's sovereign. He's, he, he, he's, he knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. So it's not a mistake. It's not a coincidence. God has arranged the circumstances in your life so that you would hear this message and that you would be here today. And so that you could be forced to answer the question, who is Christ to you? Who is Christ to you? You can't just answer it in your head, right? It's got to be, it's gotta be a, a, a dual connection your heart, your head, it's got to be a decision that's made that you truly understand. No one can come to me, John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. I believe that God has drawn many of you to this place at this moment right now. If you're watching online, that he's drawn you to your TV or to your cell phone to be watching this right now, right now. Don't miss heaven by 18 inches. Let me explain this. The average distance between your brain and your heart is about 18 inches. Don't miss out on heaven because of 18 inches of difference. We can make a decision up here that doesn't match the decision in here. It's easy to say something but it's not so easy to have your life changed because of the decision that you made. I think Brother Eric shared a, a podcast with the men about uh, tips or these things, that, uh, what, what, what changes we can make to, to grow in leaders, like, as leaders of men and things like that. And those are all great things. You can make a decision in your mind to say, I'm going to do these things. But you can never get to where you would get to unless it's not just a decision made up here, but it's a decision that changes your life as well. I'll give you an example, and we're closing with this. As I'm closing, if all the Baptists will come and sit right here in the front row, um, we're going to get ready in a minute. Many years ago, a man was walking the tightrope. He was walking a tightrope, Right? And everyone was watching, and it was a, a, a marvelous scene. Everybody was astonished, like, ooh, ah, right? And then he says, and my next, for my next greatest feature, remove the nets. And everybody was like, and they took the nets away, and there he is. Tightrope. I was going to walk on that, but I don't want to fall. So, you know, tightrope, right? He's walking on the tightrope, walking on the tightrope. And he's like, how can, I, how can I awe the crowd even more? He's like, for my next feature, right? He, t- he, <laughs> he took a wheelbarrow. I'm going to take this wheelbarrow. I'm going to lay it on the rope. 
I'm going to get on it, and I'm going to walk the, roll the wheelbarrow to the end. And it was silent. And he went from one side to the other. Woo! Everybody's going crazy. Now he's like, he's hyped. He's like, I got to do something else. He's like, you know what? For that next one, how many people did I believe, how many people can believe that I can put a person in the wheelbarrow and then walk across? Everybody's like, yeah, we believe you can do it. Woo! Everybody raised their hand. So then at that moment, as everybody raised their hand, let's pretend like y'all all raised your hand. I'd be like, okay, well, Al, come on up. I'm going to put you in the wheelbarrow. And all you saw was a dust of smoke as Al ran the complete opposite direction. That's what it means to, to, to say yes to something, but to not follow it through in your heart. Yes, woo, I believe you can do it. You're going to put a person in there? All right. Oh, wait, you want me to be that person? Oh, no, no, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> Today, God is asking you the question that has been asked over and over and over again. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Are you saying it with just your mouth? Are you saying it with just words? Or are you saying it not only with your words, but are you showing it with your heart? Are you living out a response to who I am? who I've been in your life, who I'm being in your life, and who I will always be. Are we living that out? Church, I know it's hard. We live in times that there are so many distractions. There are so many attempts to rob us from our relationship with Christ. There are so many, there are so many things that, that, that come up, and, and, and somehow the, the devil will twist it, and although things come up left and right, we somehow, the enemy somehow makes us feel that, that coming to church isn't the answer. And so what happens is as we go through all the trials and the tribulations and the drama, we find ourselves drifting further and further and further away from Christ. If he's the creator of the heavens and the earth, if, all, if he has all power, all power, and I'm going through something in my life, and I feel like I'm drowning, why would I? The difference between when, <laughs> if you've ever been on a deep end with somebody that has panicked, if you've ever been swimming with someone in deep water and they start to panic, what's the first thing that person does? They grab you. And if you're a really great swimmer, you might stay calm. But if you're not so great, what happens with you? You panic and you start pushing them. And then it's a big fight in the water and y'all both begin to, to drown. But if there was someone that could never drown, someone that just happens to float, Someone that, that is always there in the water with you, and all of a sudden you find yourself drowning, why would you not reach out and hold on? Like, why would you, why would you struggle to try to keep yourself above water? And that's what, you, that's, that's what we do when we do everything other than run to the Father. That's what we do. We struggle, <laughs> we grab on onto all the wrong things. When he was like, I'm right here, I ain't going nowhere, I could, I could lift you up right now. 
I can save you right now. I can save you right now. And it's not a struggle. Not only will you feel safe, but you know I'm going to take care of you. I'll even take you where you need to go. Today, we have five individuals that have answered the question of who Christ is to them. They've answered who Christ is to them. And so I'm going to ask those five individuals to make their way to the altar. Oh, yeah, that's you guys. Don't be scared. Come on up. 